Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. Thanks, Daniel. My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and again, it's a joy for me to join the others in welcoming all of you here this morning. Special word of welcome to any of you who are visiting with us. Uh, again, we hope and pray you experience God's presence during our, our time together. Uh, I, I want to just, before I get into the message, say something real quick here. Uh, I, I've had a weird fall. I've been gone a couple of times, and I'm, I really don't like that. I really miss you all when I'm not here, and I'm going to miss next week. But I want to tell you why I'm going to miss next week. Uh, my son John, some of you know, grew up here, and he went through seminary, and then he actually started a job uh, uh, working, selling stuff, and, and leading, a, helping with a company out in Denver. Um, well, the churches out there said, John, we still want you to get ordained, and uh, we still want you to, he was doing, he's doing some young life stuff, he's doing some preaching in the churches, and so he's gone through all of his examinations, and next week's Sunday, I'm going to go out to Denver, and we're going to celebrate John's ordination. And so, thank you for... Um, Thank you for your support through all of that. John, thanks you for your support through all of that. You were a congregation that helped him in many ways and, and all of us. And so um, I won't be here, but uh, I, I hope you understand why not. We're going to finish up Paul's letter to the Galatians today. For the last time in this series, um, we are going to talk about it. We're going to finish up this letter. And once again, as we, as we get into it, I want to go back way to where we began and, and just say that we cannot understand what Paul is saying to the Galatians until we understand why he said it, okay? Until we understand what were the, was the situation. We, we, we recognize that this is one of Paul's most passionate letters. He, he was really angry at times throughout this letter. I mean, he was just so ticked off in so many ways. And the question is, why? What was the problem? What made Paul so angry? What made Paul so upset? Let's, let's take a look at that again. Paul is here. He was a, a Christian. He had grown up Jewish became a follower of Jesus Christ. He was living in a city called Antioch, and the church there said, Paul, we think God is calling us to send you out to tell others about Jesus, and we want you to go to those who are not Jewish. We want you to go to the Gentile world. So Paul went on his first missionary journey. One of the places he went was a place called Galatia, and there he met, of all things, some Galatians. Uh, that's who lives in Galatia. So Paul was there, and he told him about Jesus Christ. He preached the gospel that Jesus Christ saves, that Jesus Christ washes away all of our sins, that Jesus Christ gives us new life. Put your faith in him. And he brought the good news. He brought the gospel. And the Galatians, they responded. They, they experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. They experienced God's grace, and they became followers of Jesus. They became Christians. And so Paul spent some time with them, teaching them, live by the Spirit, love each other, love God above everything else. You're saved by Christ alone. And then Paul went back to Antioch to give a report. So far, so good, right? No problems. They're excited. If Paul wrote a letter at this point, he'd just be encouraging them. But something changed. Something happened. And what happened is that there was another group of Christians, and we've been calling them the final step Christians. They were from Jerusalem. Some of them had spent time with Jesus while he was on life on, on earth. Many of them had. Uh, but they'd, they'd grown up. They, 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 they'd become Christians then, followers of Jesus Christ. But they, but they still did a lot of their Jewish stuff. They said the, this, what we call the Old Testament, the, the, the Old Testament tells us what God wants from his people. And, and, and so they knew that, and they were concerned. It can be really good when Christians are concerned about each other, but it can also be really bad when Christians are concerned about each other. And in this case, it was bad, because they were concerned about what Paul had taught the Galatians. They had no problem with Paul teaching the Galatians about Jesus, but Paul didn't teach him about Moses. 
Paul didn't teach them about obedience. Paul didn't teach them about the laws. Paul didn't teach them about circumcision. So they said, all right, out of our Christian love, we're going to go up and we're going to hold a seminar and say, this is what Paul didn't teach you. Yes, they said, the gospel is that you need faith in Jesus, plus a few other things. That there's more that you've got to do. You must be circumcised. You must not go to eat on Sunday. You must not eat bacon. You, you must become more like us. You must become more Jewish. And, and so they went and they explained and they, they took out their scriptures. And they said, this is what we're supposed to do. They took out their Old Testaments, their Bibles, their scriptures. And, and the, the one that, that Paul mentions in, in the end of the letter is the one he's talked about through it all. It's circumcision. So this is how you know that you belong to God because you have received this mark. This is how God knows you're committed to him because you have done this. And so it's circumcision that you've got to do. That's the central thing. And, and, and the Galatian Christians, again, they're new at this whole thing, right? These people come. Paul said he believed in the Bible. They come with the scriptures. They open them up. And so they say, oh, okay, we'll do that. Paul must not have had time to tell us this. And, and so the, the, the final step Christians are all excited. They go out in Jerusalem. And they tell the people there, hey, we got them. We, they, they know what to do now. Phew. Well, <laughs> I avoided a big problem here because these people were going to live like however they wanted. And, and so they did that. Now, somehow Paul found out about this visit. Could be that the Galatian Christians wrote to Paul and said, man, we're learning so much. <laughs> well, you had these people come and teach us so many good things. But somehow Paul found out about it. I think they were thinking he'd be really excited. I mean, they had done serious Bible study, really discipleship stuff here. They would have been really excited. But Paul is not excited. Paul is hopping mad, all right? He is just so ticked off. And that's when he picks up the pen to write Galatians. And in this letter, he says, these final step Christians are just dead wrong. How could you fall for their garbage? We're saved by Christ alone. And, and we've gone through this whole letter. Come on, it's for freedom Christ has set us free. And Paul has, has been passionate about saying the law never saved anybody. It's not what your hands have done. You cannot do that. And he's gotten through all of that. And now he comes to the end and something happens. In order to understand what happens here, we've got to understand kind of not just why Paul wrote this letter, what he wrote, but how Paul wrote this letter. Because you see, what, what happened is it wasn't probably like you and I kind of think about. If I'm going to write a letter, I take out a pen and a paper and I write a letter or keyboard, and I type an email or whatever, right? I do it myself. In this day, because paper was rare, because writing was not done often, they would have a scribe. And so what probably happened is that Paul had somebody else with him. I, I imagine Paul sitting in a room, and, and Paul had gotten somebody else to sit in a chair, and, and this other person is the scribe, the person who's actually putting the words down on paper. And, and, and so Paul is there, and I just kind of picture him. I picture him walking around this room, and I, I picture Paul, you know, just, I, I mean, he paces, because that's what Christians do when they talk. They pace. They move around. They don't stand in one place, all right? So I picture Paul pacing, and there's this other person, and he's here, and Paul says, okay, here's the deal. Paul, all right, an apostle, sent, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ, but by Jesus Christ himself and, and, and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. And Paul went on and on and, and the whole thing he spoke. And this person was sitting here writing and Paul is talking again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore do not let yourselves be yoked again. Burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Change that. Burdened again. Change that to burden again by a yoke of slavery. 
Live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Paul does this, but then he comes to Galatians 6, verse 11, okay? Now he comes to Galatians 6, verse 11. And it's like he says, okay, now move out. Move out. And he says, I want you to get out of here. And Paul takes the seat himself. Because Paul has one shot, and this is it. So he starts. See what large letters I use as I write with my own hand. Paul gets to this place, and he now sits down, and he now begins to write the letter with his own hands. And he does it in all caps, right? If you're, it, it's in all caps, right? It is in bold. This is what Paul, and so what Paul is saying to us by this is, I want to talk to you about something that matters more than anything else. I want to lay it all on the line. And, and that's what Paul wants to do. And we'll see how long I can stay seated. But Paul deals with, I think, one of the most important questions each of us must answer in our lives, okay? Paul is like, this is the basic. This is the difference between me and them. This is the difference between the gospel and not the gospel. This is the difference between Christianity and every other religion. This is the difference. And, And the question that Paul deals with is where do we get our confidence where do we get our confidence? That's not going to work, okay? The question is, where, we go, where do we get our confidence? And, and, and I want you to notice something here. The question is not whether we have confidence. I, I think that sometimes we as Christians far too often kind of say, well, if I'm a Christian, that means I don't have any confidence, right? Because I'm a horrible sinner. I'm a worm. I'm a wretch. I'm horrible. I'm lost. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And so I, I, I can't. And humility means I have no confidence. Humility does not mean that we have no confidence, fact of the matter is, Paul lived with unbelievable confidence. I, I read just excerpts from some self-confidence books this week, and they will tell you that self-confidence, and, and, and Paul's going to talk about something else, but self-confidence is, is one of the most powerful forces. It's, it's one of the greatest predictors between success and not success, because people who are confident, they believe, and, and, and they have hope, and they have encouragement. Paul had all of that stuff. I think we as Christians should have more confidence than anybody else. It's not a question of whether we should have confidence. Paul took risks. He didn't back down. He had a powerful hope. And friends, as you and I go through life, yeah, we are aware of our brokenness, but we also have an unbelievable confidence, and we have an unbelievable hope. And we have an unbelievable assurance. So the question is not whether we should have confidence. The question is this, where do we get our confidence? Or to use the term that Paul uses, what do we boast in? What are we going to build our lives on? And so that's the question, really, that we're going to look at. Where do we get our confidence? What do we boast in? Let me say just a word here about boasting, okay? Uh, a word about boasting. And I say this because most of us, again, we never boast, Boasting was different. When Paul talked about boasting, it was something different than what we think about. We think boasting is the same as bragging. In in our culture, maybe it is, but that's not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about going to somebody and saying, I'm smarter than you, I'm better than you, I'm I'm more athletic than you. It's not not going to somebody else. (laughs) Boasting was, in a sense, talking to yourself. Boasting was talking to yourself. See, in the Bible, boasting is not always a bad thing. Uh, 10 to 15 times, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament talks about how he boasts. And how he boasts in his boasts. He boasts. And, 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 and let me give you the background of the term so you can understand it. The term that Paul uses is, is a military term. Okay? And it would, it would be used to describe how soldiers would get fired up. Okay? I mean, one of the things, you know, you, when, when you go into battle, I've never been in the army but it's always, to me, one of the amazing things is, okay, I'm about to go where I could get killed. 
And, 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 and before I go there, I need something to have confidence in. Before I go there, I need something to get me fired up. Before I go there, I need something that's going to give me hope. I need something that's going to be assurance. And, and so what would happen is, is that the leader, the, the, the centurion or whatever, the sergeant, whatever it was, the leader would, would list the strengths of the army. And, and there are examples of this where the leader would yell something and everybody would yell it back. It would be something like this. Our hands are strong enough. And everybody would yell, our hands are strong enough. Our spears are sharp enough. Our spears are sharp enough. Our horses are fast enough. Our horses are fast enough. And they would just do that. And it would be like, this is why we have confidence. This is why we go into battle. That was a boast, okay? This is, it's, it's in a sense just kind of saying, okay, this is where I... Well, it's, it's naming the source of our confidence when we face difficulties. It, it's naming what, when the chips are down, at the end of the day, when it's all on the table, where do we put our trust? For these soldiers, they said, you know, it's our spears, it's our hands, it's our, our horses. This is where we put our confidence. Paul says, that's the main question you need to know in your life. And he says, you've got to decide. And he said, the difference between me and, and those final step Christians is where we put our confidence. It's a question of where we put our faith. It's a question of where we put our trust. Paul says we can boast in ourselves. It's what the, the, the final step Christians did. What they've said is, is not that we're going to conquer the world because we're so good, but, but they were confident of God's love because of what they did because of the impact they had on others. All right. It it was what they have done. What they said is, I I know I'm a good Christian. I know I'm loved by God because of things like circumcision. I know I am loved by God because I know I have been circumcised. I know that I do this. I know because I don't eat bacon. I know because I eat the right foods. I know because I do the right things. I know because I follow the special days. We don't go out to eat on the Sabbath. We don't do any of that. That's how I know. And, and you say, well, they would have said, yeah, my faith is in Jesus Christ. But, but what Paul wants us to know, and this has been the heart of Galatians, is, is once you add anything to Jesus Christ, it's no longer in Jesus Christ. Once you add anything, once you say it's this, once it's, it's, it's the impact you've made on others and, 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 and guiding others to follow these, these laws and so on. But Galatians 6, let's go back to the text, 12, 13. Paul says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh. That's what I'm talking about, about boasting what they have done. Those who want to say, look, I know I am a good Christian because of what I have done. I know because I'm, of how I look. I can look at my life and I can just see that God is alive. And those who are, want to impress people by means of the flesh, those are the ones who are trying to compel you to be circumcised. And they want you to be circumcised, but they want to do that, that they may boast about your circumcisions in the flesh, that they may boast about the impact they have had on others. That they want you to be circumcised, not for your sake, but so that they can go back to Jerusalem and say, we got them. You see, God, what I'm doing for you, and they would have genuinely believed that. That's the danger of it. This is so subtle, so real in our lives as well. But they would have genuinely believed that they were good Christians because of what they had done. They were good Christians because they'd been circumcised, because they didn't eat pork, because they told others to follow the law. And it still happens today. And, and, and there are really two really scary things that happen with this, okay? In our day and age. For us, when we do this, 
First, let me tell you what we do, and then I'll show you how it works out. But for us, we're not going to say, oh, I'm a good Christian because I was circumcised. We don't do that anymore. We say, I'm a good Christian because I go to church almost every Sunday. I mean, it used to be every Sunday, but nobody goes every Sunday anymore. I pray every day. Really, I do that. That I'm confident of. I pray every day. I'm a good mom. I'm a good dad. And I told my neighbor not to cut his grass on Sunday. So I'm a witness. And guess what? We, we do that. And we play these guys. I don't know which ones you have. Oh, I'm a good Christian because I serve at the soup kitchen. I'm a good Christian because I'm on the student council. I'm a good Christian because I attend catechism. I'm a good Christian because I, 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 I don't look at porn. I'm a good Christian because of this. And I want to tell you, as long as you do that, your life will be empty. Because it will never, ever work. And they're gonna, it's going to go one of two ways. This is where I say it goes one of two ways. Either you're going to be confident of it. This scares me of people who say, sure, I'm a good Christian because I, I check all the boxes. You're not if you just check all the boxes. You don't understand Christianity if you think you're a good Christian because you check all the boxes. And it scares me that some of you are probably sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, I'm a good Christian. And what you're really saying is my confidence in myself because I've lived a good life. I've done the right stuff. The other way that it goes bad is not just that we become overconfident, is that we live in misery and fear all the time. Some of you, and this is maybe more of you, especially those of us who are older, but some of you have spent your entire lives trying to do enough for Jesus. Trying to see if I just was a little bit better, if my language was just a little bit cleaner, if I didn't drink so much, if I could just do this, then I could please mom and dad and Jesus. <laughs> if I could just be a little better, if I could just be a little stronger, if I could just be a little kinder, if I could just be a little gentler, if I could just, whatever it is. And my friends, we drive ourselves nuts and it kills us. That's why Paul gets so passionate about it. That's why I get so passionate about it. Because when we put our confidence in ourselves, it absolutely destroys us. And it doesn't work. It never has and it never will. Please, please, please understand that at the heart of the, Christ, of the Christian message is the declaration that you can't do it. The fact of the matter, Paul says there are a couple of problems with this, of, of what they're trying to do. I mean, the fact is, Paul says, yeah, they were doing this, they're saying they're doing this for, for God. No, they weren't. They were doing it for their own sakes so that they could avoid some problems. Look back at verse 12, okay? I read this part. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Paul says, you know why they do this? The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. They know back in Jerusalem they're going to get grief if they come back and you're not circumcised. They know the other Christians are going to make fun of them. They know they're not going to look very good, and they're going to get some persecution because of it. And how much of my obedience, how much of my giving, loving, serving. It's because what I really want to do is impress y'all. Because I really want you to, to, to like me, to think I'm serious. I, I think about that even with telling you I'm going to go see John next. I, I really do hate to be gone. And I'd like to be, say I hate to be gone because I love you so much and I want to build into you. But part of the reason I tell you that I, I hate to be gone is so that you won't think I'm lazy, so you won't fire me. See, I, I, I never do anything good just for its own sake. <laughs> I, I, I always do it for my own sake. And, 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 and it, Paul says, you just, 
you're doing it for your own sake. They're, they're doing it for their own sakes, and, and you're never as good as you think you are. Not even those, verse 13, who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised. Paul says it just doesn't work, never has, never will. Friends, I, I, this is so important. And again, if throughout this, I, we, we, we need to push ourselves to the place where it gets a little scary. Saying, well, Ron, if people believe that, then you're just going to do whatever they want. Unless we get to that place, we don't understand grace. Unless we understand how free we are in Jesus Christ, how we contribute nothing, zero, zip, nil, nada, to our salvation, until we understand that it's nothing my hands can do, I am absolutely and completely dead. Until we understand that, we will not understand grace. And we will not experience God's love. We can boast in ourselves. And again, you're going to say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, when the chips are down, ask yourself, what comes into your mind? Well, I did go to church all my life. Well, I am a good person. I mean, you imagine a Mack truck running down on you. What's the thought? Is it Christ alone? Or is it, man, I hope I did enough? And I'll tell you, it's really hard not to think, oh, I hope I did enough. It's really hard not to go there. But that's a fail. It's a fail. Paul says... (laughs) Putting your confidence in the flesh, putting your confidence in yourself, it never works. It never brings joy. It never brings peace. Friends, that's why I want you to know this. What Paul says here, Paul says, may I never boast. Galatians 6, 14, may I never boast except, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I never boast, Paul says, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I never boast. May I never look at what I've done, Paul says. I will not boast. I will not build my life on. I will not place my confidence in in what I have done, in what I can do, in the impact I have on others, in my money, in my smarts, in my relationships. I will not put my confidence in any of this. I will not boast about any of this. I will not say, this is all I know, that it's going to be okay. Because I've lived a good life. Friends, you haven't. And you are dead in your sins. Our only hope is to boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Paul boasted about. Two questions as we wrap up the whole series here. First is why. Why why does Paul get so excited about this cross? The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does Paul just say, I've never boasted anything except that? It's only the cross. It's only the cross. It's only the cross. The answer is, I think, that, that Paul realized, Paul understood, Paul experienced that the cross is the only power in the entire universe that can change a life. Paul's life had been transformed. And I want to tell you this, friends. The only power that can change a life is this cross. It's only when we come to the cross. It's only that we see the cross, that we experience the cross, that we surrender to the cross. It's the only power that can change a life. I mean, again, we look at the world around us, and we all know it needs to change. And it's good to try to do nice things, and, 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 and it's better to do something good than bad. But at the end of the day, what the Bible teaches is that it's only the cross that can change our hearts. It's only the cross that can take us away from our selfishness. It's only the cross that, that, that can remove our guilt and our fear and, and our frustration and our hurt and our tiredness and our anger and all those things. The cross is the only power that can change a life, and the cross is the only power 
that can change the world. And that's why Paul says, I will boast in nothing except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will boast in nothing except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how does it work? How does the cross change us? How does the cross change the world? And, and, and I, I tell you, if you say, well, around this, I know this. If you know it, great, good for you. But I had to relearn this again yesterday. And I have to relearn it again today. And I have to come back to it every day. Because if Paul is right, and I believe with all my heart he is, it's coming to the cross that gives me life. And so I have to learn to do this. So how does it change us? What, what does it work? How does it, how does it happen? First of all, and I think this is where we must begin, and it's not always where we think logically to begin, but, but I think the first thing that we see in the cross is we see how much we are loved at the cross. I, 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 you might think, oh, no, Ron's going to say how we see how sinful we are at the cross. We see how horrible. No, I don't want to start there. That's not where God starts with saying, I love you. What we see when we come to the cross is just how much God loves. Do you realize how much you are loved? Do you realize that Jesus loved you enough to die for you? That he came and he said, you are so precious to me. he, He knows every hurt. He knows every tear. He knows every pain. He knows those times that I failed. He knows what I did this week. And when I'm overwhelmed with that guilt, he comes and he says, Ron, but you know what? I love you so much. I died for that. You don't have to stay where you were, man. I died for you. And every day I need to come back to that. Every day I need to surrender to that. Every day I need to see that amazing love that God shows us in the cross. Paul talked about it in Galatians 2.20. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Who loved me. Gave himself up for me. Paul says, when I see the cross, I see that Jesus loved me enough to die for me. Nobody else loves you like that. Because he didn't just die, he took on all my sin. He didn't just die, he took on all my pain. You might be able to extend my life here if you take a shot that was supposed to come to me. But I'm still me. When Jesus Christ died, he took all my pain, he took all my sin, he took all of that in me. Nobody, in him rather, and, and nobody else loves me like that. Galatians, we said, is one of Paul's earlier letters. The other end is, one of the later letters is Romans. In there, Romans eight twenty eight, Paul says, I don't have it on the screen, but he says, will not he who gave us his son, he did not hold back his son, will not he also give us all good things with him? Paul says, it's the cross, because there I see that God loves me, that God gave himself up for me. And if he gave his son, is he going to not give me what I need to make it through every day? Is he not going to give me what I need to make all things new? And, and, and so, friends, I am convinced that the way the cross changes us, the way the cross gives us life, it starts by just saying, I am crazy, over the top, in love with you. He knows everything about you. He knows every thought, every word, every deed. He knows everything about you, and yet he is absolutely crazy in love with you. We see how much we are loved at the cross. That one's fun. The second one is tough, and this is where we talk about it. We see how dead we are at the cross. Part of the reason I need to come to the cross every day, part of the reason I need to center my life on the cross is when I come to the cross, I realize I am dead and I die all over again. 
Galatians 6.14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now Paul says, it's just there that, that I died. And, and, and it's interesting because I, I think the Bible kind of says it's there that we die, but it's also there that we realize that we are dead because we're already dead in our sins. And, and it's realizing it. It's, it's coming to it. And, I, and, and for me, again, I don't do this because I want to feel terrible about myself. I don't confess my sins because, oh, man, I, I feel good when I feel bad. No, I do this because I want to remember Boasting in myself never works. Uh, when, we, when we come to the cross, and, and I, again, I, I, I experience this a lot, coming to the cross and saying, God, I'm sorry, I was depending on myself again. We stop believing in ourselves. We stop playing religious games. So I'm saying, oh, God, if I go to church enough, then you'll love me. No. The cross says, Ron, your problem is bigger than just needing to show up at church. You're dead and you need to die. We stop trying to impress others. We stop thinking that this world can give us what we need. We stop playing that game. We just, Paul says, I died to the world. The world died to me because I realized that I couldn't find what I needed in this world. This is really difficult. I, I don't want to underestimate that. We see the depth of our sin. And, and again, I, I want you to see that, not because I want you to feel bad, but I want you to recognize just how we can't do it on our own but you don't have to. That's what grace is all about. You don't have to. We give up control. I don't like to not be in control. I want to be in control. I, I, yet I come to the cross and I say, God, I messed it up. I can't, okay? So all I can do is die. All I can do is give it up to you. And when I come to the cross again, every single day, I give up control and I die. And it's really difficult, but it's really wonderful. Because what happens when we do that? And again, I, I, I can only tell you this is my experience, and, and this is what the Bible says happens. And if you keep doing it, you will experience this. What I start to experience, and again, I had a great experience of it yesterday morning during our prayer retreat. But once again, I experience what it is to say, God, I'm dead. And and I can't do this, and I'm not a good enough pastor, and I'm not a good enough preacher, and I'm not good enough uh, as a person, and I'm not, and my life is just, and God, I just quit, and I give up, and I lay it all before you. And then what, what I see is all those things I gave up were dumb anyway. All those things I gave up were keeping me in prison anyway. Trying to please you all, that's a stupid way for me to live, because you go up and down. You're not really good at judging people any more than I am trying to live my life for that, trying to live my life to, 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 to. it's like, oh, God, I gave up everything. Found out it was nothing. It wasn't anything. And so that which is so difficult also is so wonderful. Come to the cross, and, and we see how much we're loved. We come to the cross, and we see just how dead we are, and we come to the cross, and we're raised to new life. Jesus Christ who died was raised, and we too are raised. And Paul packs it all here into the cross, Galatians 6, 15. He says, neither uncircumcision nor circumcision. At the end of the day, you know, what you do isn't all that important. I died to the world. The world died to me. What counts is the new creation. What counts is the Holy Spirit being alive in me. What counts is, is being free. Paul says, that's what matters. And when I come to the cross, 
I realize that when Jesus died, his father raised him. And so too, in Christ, I am raised again. It's a new life. It's a daily thing to do this. It's something we need to do first. And if you've never done it before, then I want you to do it. But every day, if we want to live a life that is free and joyful and peaceful, we must be people who come to the cross. We must see overwhelmed, be overwhelmed by God's amazing love. We must see that we can't do anything to earn it, that we're dead. But we must see that in Christ, we are a new creation. And you know what? I go through that exercise daily, some days hourly. Because I need to just get reoriented. I get so messed up here and here in my head and in my heart. And I just come back and say, God, straighten me out. And when I come to the cross, I remember, God, you love me. It's not about me. And you give me life. The cross has the power to change me. It has the power to change the world. That's why Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Finishing, we do a lot of great things here at Hillside. We do. I'm so fun to watch God at work, and we teach, and we do all these things, and we have Zumba classes, and we share meals together, and we do all kinds of cool things. But we must never forget that at the end of the day, it's only the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that has the power to change the world. And if we're not bringing people to the cross, we're really not helping them very much. So may we join Paul in saying, may we never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a song I sang all week. Maybe some of you have been in your head. When I survey the wondrous cross, Steve's going to come. Let's stand and, 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 and just respond. Just imagine that of coming to the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross, let's stand and sing together.
Father, bring us to the cross. May we never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Following our service, there are going to be some folks in the prayer room, and I dismiss you with this blessings from Galatians 6:18, the end of this letter. Friends, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen.